Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey everybody, welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris coming to you from our world famous studios and the Turn It, Don't Burn It building, hopefully here in Portland. Um, we've got uh, Adam McKenzie with us today. Adam's got a new tome out there, Weeknight Smoking on Your Trigger and Other Pellet Grills. Adam is also the founder of This Jew Can Q. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended for helping us out with this show today. Adam, welcome to Barbecue Nation. Thanks so much for having me. No worries, no worries. Um, is this your first book? It is my first book. Well, you've done a very good job with it, I will tell you that. <laughs> I've gone through it. Thanks a ton. Yeah, I've gone through it and that. Well, let's get a little background on you for our listeners first. You're actually a teacher, a STEM teacher in the Denver area, aren't you? Yeah, so I teach uh, elementary STEM, so I see all the kids in the building, so kindergarten through fifth grade, and teach robotics, you know, computer programming. Um, you know, we do all the, the fun stuff, and it's kind of a fun fun job, definitely, you know, being able to interact with kids and kind of relates to barbecue in some way, so it's a ton of fun. Well, I would think so, yeah, because, you know, when they're that young, uh, you really get a chance to work with them and, and see them expand their thinking process and all that. And I, I would think that would be a tremendous amount of fun. So how did you get into barbecue? Um, I mean, I got into barbecue. I mean, I always growing up, you know, I mean, the barbecue scene in Denver definitely it wasn't what it is now, but you know, there were a few barbecue places in town and definitely remember eating barbecue with my family. And I remember my dad cooking barbecue a few times on, um, you know, and just kind of remembering, you know, how good that chicken was and the, uh, spicy sausage and some of those and just trying to recreate those memories. And I remember getting out of um, college, you know, and having some money and buying my first grill and starting to cook stuff and ruining a whole bunch of meat, you know, trying to figure (laughs) out how to cook steaks and ribs and all of that fun stuff. And, um, you know, was lucky enough um, when we moved into our current house, um, one of the local Ace Hardwares was going out of business. So I was able to get a Traeger tailgater on sale and, um, got that and then kind of expanded from there was able you know to try ribs and brisket and all that fun stuff and just kind of took off from there well that's kind of that's kind of the story of a lot of us i think you know you talked about chicken and i won't go into the stories because listeners have heard it before but i'll put it this way i grew up on a lot of burnt chicken off the barbecue on uh, (laughs) saturdays and sundays so that was that was a skill neither of my parents ever mastered was cooking uh on a grill they could cook in dutch ovens and stuff because we were ranchers farmers if you will but they couldn't cook very well over an open flame or a a, you know a tray full of briquettes as it were so what (laughs) what actually prompted you at this point to write the book 
Um, so, I mean, you know, I, then I kind of started the Instagram and found some success with the Instagram. Um, you know, the Instagram just kind of started as a place to just kind of share what I was doing, you know, um, see what else people were cooking, you know, get good ideas. I mean, that's what's really great about Instagram. You know, it's just such an awesome community of people just coming together and being able to share, you know, the love of barbecue and the sure. love of food. Sure. Um, you know, and as I started to grow in success, um, some of my followers asked, you know, are you ever going to write a cookbook? And I was like, no, I'm not going to write a cookbook. You know, I always, you know, picture cookbooks for people like Bobby Flay and stuff like that, you know, um, guys here, you know, that are trained cooks and have restaurants and just, you know, have a lot of experience. So I just kind of wrote that off for a long time. And then um, right around the start of the pandemic, uh, Page Street Publishing approached me and you know, offered me to, you know, they're like, Hey, do you want to do a cookbook? You know, here's, you know, we can talk about some ideas and stuff. And, um, you know, since I have obviously had a lot more free time with the pandemic and my teaching schedule changing and all that, I decided to go for it and see what would happen. So it was kind of a, a fun whirlwind experience, you know, over the next several months of taking some of those recipes, writing new recipes, um, cooking food, and then just kind of getting that book ready. Yeah, it takes a while. I've done a book, and it it's a process. I'll put it that way. And uh, especially when it comes, <clears throat> excuse me, to the photography, because you want that just perfect or as perfect as you can get it to kind of entice people to actually look in, at and use that particular recipe. How much did you, yeah. when you were talking earlier about, you know, you had a grill when you got out of college and you ruined a lot of meat. Once you got your your pellet cooker, your Traeger, how long did it take you to perfect uh, what you were doing? Um, it, it still took a while. I mean, I definitely still screw things up today, <laughs> even today. Um, you know, it's definitely, um, you know, I just think it helped me kind of like fine tune, you know, get those lower, get those lower temperatures a little bit more accurate and just kind of, um, you know, push me to get, you know, a more accurate thermometer and just kind of push me a little bit more to really, um, think about more, more what I was doing instead of just thinking of, Oh, just putting chicken on for, you know, X amount of time and then flipping it and adding sauce, you know, really kind of thinking of it as a process and looking for certain, certain parts of it along the way. Sure. We're talking with Adam McKenzie today. Adam's got a new book out called weeknight smoking on your trigger and other pellet grills. Um, which is kind of interesting because I've, I've been a proponent of pellet grills for quite a while. Of course I'm in the Northwest and that's where, Traeger started actually about 12 miles from where I live long time ago that um, the pellet grills have really changed um, the barbecue and, and smoking and stuff, especially for what I call the civilians that don't do it for a living. They're not competitive. uh, They're not on a barbecue circuit, but they just enjoy barbecue and, you know, friends and family, that type of thing. And the pellet grills I think have really, change the way people look at it. Yeah, I just think it's made it more accessible and just kind of opens up a whole other door to it. I mean, you know, definitely, um, you know, it definitely, definitely gets some heat from a few people, you know, they're like, oh, it's not a, not a real grill. And it's like, okay, well, we're not going to, you know, go down that road, you know, in the barbecue competitive scene, you know, people didn't like drum smokers for a long time. And now, you know, that's all that's kind of in the competitive scene. Um, you know, You know, I just think it really, opened up that door, you know, people who don't necessarily have the time to watch a live fire or worry about charcoal and stuff, you know, you can, you know, get really great barbecue results and not have to worry about some of those other aspects, you know, and just kind of focus on, 
the more fun parts, you know, the good food and then, you know, bringing your family and friends together. Yeah. I think that, um, one of the, one of the great attributes about the pellet smokers is that much like your book, you're saying, you know, you come home on a Tuesday night, you're tired. Uh, you can go turn on your smoker, make sure it's got pellets in it. That goes without saying. And, uh, you know, you can turn it on, you can go change your clothes, grab something that you've got to cook and get it out there all within, you know, 15 minutes, if you will, and, and start the process. And depending on what you're doing, you can be done in a half hour or 45 minutes. You know, if you're not going to cook a brisket when you get home at four o'clock, but, um, you know, for the average, if you're going to smoke some pork chops or do a chicken, like you said, I think pellet grills have become the answer to that versus, um, you know, charcoal or lump charcoal or stick wood or, you know, even gas grills because the flavor is much better than working with gas. Yeah, you definitely get that flavor, you know, that's missing from the from the gas grills. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of love at first. You know, it's, um, you know, like everyone has has had a gas grill or has a gas grill. And sure, um, you just you just miss that. You just miss that flavor. You know, it's like it's good, but it's always missing kind of it's missing something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And I know, you know, gas grills can be very efficient and they're quick to heat up. And, and the good part about the gas grills, if you're going to do some, you know, direct and indirect cooking, the, you know, those are pretty handy for that. But, and that's a little more difficult to do, if you will, with a pellet grill. But the point is, is the the flavor that you get out of the pellet grills, I think is, um, is really good. What was the first thing you ever cooked when you got your Traeger? Do you remember? Um, the first thing I cooked was uh, ribs. And were they a success? Um, they were pretty successful. I mean, definitely not the, um, you know, as what I was hoping for and striving for. But I mean, they were really good. You know, I think I followed three, two, one pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, a little bit more tender you know, then maybe I kind of like my ribs nowadays, but still, I, I think, you know, I was really impressed and kind of sold with how well the results were and um, definitely a step up from how I was cooking them before. So let me ask you this. Um, there's, there's always been a big discussion um, about removing the membrane from the back of the ribs. Okay. I, I'm a guy who I don't really care because a lot of times I will go ahead and score it down the bone in the back um, with, you know, a utility knife or whatever and cook them that way uh, if I if I don't want to mess with it. And sometimes if I do want to mess with it. But I've had people tell me through the show that they have a lot of difficulty sometimes removing that. I wanted to know where your your thoughts were. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely kind of two camps with pork ribs, you know, with I, I usually try and remove it. Um, I just find, you know, you, it's just an extra barrier that prevents some of that flavor getting through, you know, when you season it and also when you're smoking. So I like, I like to remove it personally. And um, I just kind of, you know, score it a little bit with a knife and then just take a paper towel and just kind of Mm -hmm. pull it up and hopefully get that nice clean pull in one, but usually it's a, it's a couple of pulls to get it off. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's what kind of, not to get too far in the weeds here, Adam, but I think that's kind of why some people don't like to do it because when you see guys on the, on TV or on YouTube or what have you, and they're pulling it, uh, it always looks like a really clean 
one stroke process, if you will. And a lot of times it's not yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would say, you know, that perfect, that perfect poll is like the, the two out of 10, you know, three out of 10, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a break and Adam McKenzie and I will be back in just a few minutes here on Barbecue Nation on the Sun Radio Network. Almost heaven, West Virginia. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Well, life on the farm is kind of laid back. Ain't much an old country boy like me can't hack. It's early to rise, early in the sack. I thank God I'm a country boy. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, it's really easy. You can go to Barbecue Nation. That's BBQNationJT.com. There's a little icon there. You can click on it and send me a message, and I will return your message. And also, you can find us, of course, on Facebook and Twitter and on Captivate and iTunes. And go right down the list. Like I was telling Adam at the beginning of the show, we've got, I think, 27 or 30 platforms now. I'm not sure. I don't actually handle that part of it, but there's a lot. Also. If uh, you're looking for people to hire, the reasons to find your next hire with Indeed are starting to add up. Just look at the numbers. Instant Match uh, searches millions of resumes in Indeed's database to deliver candidates whose resumes fit your job description. They have 135 skills tests that go beyond the, the resume to help you find the right candidates faster. And according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So if you want to multiply your employees and subtract the hassles of finding them, visit Indeed.com slash credit. There you go. How about that? Now let's get back to uh, talking with Adam McKenzie, the author of the new cookbook out there, Weeknight Smoking, if I can say it properly, on your Traeger and other pellet grills. Adam uh, is a teacher. He's also the author of this book and the uh, founder and purveyor of the website This Jew Can Q. Anybody ever give you a hard time about that name? Um, No, I mean, you know, luckily I've, I've had, you know, just a lot of success with it, you know, haven't run into too many issues with it. People kind of find it funny and kind of, um, you know, appreciate, you know, just kind of the, sure. the, uh, the play on words with it. I thought it was hilarious. The first time I looked you up, I did. I thought that was very clever that you did that. All right. Let's talk a little bit specifically about the book here. When, um, you know, when you, when you write the intro in the book, you talk one thing that I thought was very important to people and not too many other cookbooks ever actually get this in there. You talked about the patience. You have to have patience to perfect these skills to whatever level you really want to take them. And a lot of the other writers and they're all good. They've all got great books, but they say, you know, it'll take a little time. So just bear with it and this type of thing. But I think you're one of the first ones that ever said you've got to have patience and a good thermometer. Uh, we all preach about digital thermometers, but the patience aspect of it, I thought was a very, uh, you know, important term to speak of. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, think, you know, um, with cooking, we kind of want, you know, that perfect answer we want, you know, Oh, cook it at 350 degrees for, 
X amount of time and then I do this step and then it's going to be perfect. But I think, you know, especially with uh, meat, it's really tough because, you know, every every animal is different. You know, we cook at different elevations. Um, <laughs> you know, we have different humidity. There's so many different factors. So really just getting people to focus on, you know, how that meat is coming and kind of move away from that time part and to really focus on just is the meat ready or is what you're cooking ready? Sure. Well, you're at 5,000 plus feet in Denver. I'm at 14 feet where I literally at 14 feet where I live above sea level. Huge difference in the time and of course the humidity factors in that when you're cooking. And I learned about that many years ago when I was on a hunting trip and we were staying at a friend's house way over in the and the high desert in the mountains. And, and I said, well, I'll throw these biscuits in the oven that I had made. <clears throat> and he goes, uh, they're going to take a little longer than, you know, 12 minutes or whatever. And I said, why? He goes, well, you're at 4,200 feet here. <laughs> you know, and, and I had never thought of that at that point. Yeah. I had never, that had never crossed my mind. Yeah, it's, it's definitely there. It's, there's a uh, there's a barbecue competition. I don't do the barbecue competition scene, but there's a barbecue competition up in uh, Leadville, Colorado, which is up around like I think seven to eight thousand feet. So it's and a lot of people come from out of state to it. And it's funny because you know all their all their ways that they cook are thrown out the window when people get there if they haven't cooked at altitude before because brisket's not going to get to a certain temperature pork shoulder's not going to get to a certain temperature so it's, it's definitely a wild curveball you know and the, the locals who cook in it all the time definitely you know enjoy seeing people struggle trying to cook it out for the first time. <laughs> do you have any desire ever to compete adam um i mean i did one little like backyard competition um you know and i've um judged a few backyard competitions and attended some i just don't really have the desire you know it's it's a whole whole different animal it's just something that's really really difficult to master you know and it's so different than what i do you know it's really crafting that one perfect bite you know taking that beautiful 20 pound brisket and trimming it down into a nice little square and making sure that that every bite's going to be uniform and it's an art for sure but um, no desire to really do it right now no, I'm with you on that. I uh, I talk to a lot of competitors on this show, and they're great people, and they're very serious about what they do, but they have a lot of fun doing it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But the one thing that I try to point out, and honestly, some of them get a little indignant about it, and other ones are like, yeah, you know, that's that's true, is that what they do for flavoring, seasonings, injecting, they do all this stuff in – the competition, like you were saying, trying to get that one perfect bite. You're not going to do that at home. You're going to, you're going to try to make the whole thing as palatable as you can for your friends and family or whoever's eating it and go from there. You're not, you're not focused on a one and a half by one and a half inch square of meat. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it, it, it just kind of always, um, I mean, it looks great. It's fun. I I've, I've judged a few, uh, like you have uh, over the years, um, I'm not a KCBS judge or anything like that, but you know, they called me in to, to help out and that was fun, but it was everything I ate was very succinct and strong, but it wasn't something that I would serve at home to my family. 
I just want your thoughts, no, thoughts on that. Yeah, it's definitely very different. You know, I mean, it's just, um, you know, I mean, I just think even from like that presentation, you know, I mean, you're, you know, barbecue, I think in some ways, you know, I mean, yeah, you want it to look nice and clean, but barbecue is supposed to be messy in some ways, you know, it's supposed to kind of have that rough look. So I think, you know, definitely kind of taking it like the kind of to the pageant show in some ways and <laughs> making it all shiny and getting the box all perfect. You know, it's a whole other art. Uh, we're going to take another break here on Barbecue Nation. Adam McKenzie, the author of the new book, Week- Weeknight Smoking on Your Trigger and Other Pellet Grills. He and I will be back very shortly here on The Nation, so please stay with us. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, for helping us out here on the show, and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Excellent quality knives, um, great efficiency with them, well-balanced, and I have some myself. So check them out online at GunterWilhelmKnives.com. We've got Adam McKenzie with us, uh, weeknight smoking, and... uh, it's 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 really a fun book, and, and you never hear me say that, as you know, about too many uh, cookbooks. But Adams is a fun book. One of the things, well, yeah, it's true. Um, your barbecued chicken lollipops. I was kind of impressed with with those because, you know, <clears throat> they've become fashionable. I'll put it that way. Um, and and for a reason, and they're fun like that. But your recipe is where you actually kind of explain how to make them, and then you know how to how to push the meat down and do all that to make the little ball on the end. It's pretty good. So my question is, Adam, how many times did it take you to to do those? So you actually one got them the way you wanted them to look, and two, so that when you were cooking them, they didn't fall apart. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely a struggle every time I do them. I really enjoy eating them, but I definitely, I actually do, I'm starting to enjoy the prep on them. It's one of those things I really um, do enjoy the prep on them because it is, it is a good, it is a nice challenge, you know, because definitely it's different, you know, with every type of chicken, you know, from brand to brand and sure. working with different pieces and kind of how, you know, the whole chicken process is from them. So it's, it's fun and definitely takes a, takes a little bit of a, little bit of patience to do it um you know there is a company in colorado that does sell them pre-frenched which is nice definitely when i can i try and get them from them sure um um, but yeah i think it's kind of just a it's a fun cook just because it's you know chicken is usually not very expensive right now i know meat prices are crazy but um you know you can usually get chicken you know at a great price and it's just something fun and just kind of it's different you know people usually haven't seen it before and it's just kind of a cool way to um, impress family and friends and it's also just kind of a cool way to challenge your skills and you know do something different that you might not normally do you suggest in your recipe for them for folks to use a leg hanger if you don't know what that is folks it's a little rack that you can actually hang your chicken legs on instead of putting them on the grill 
could is could somebody out there in the audience, if they want to cook these, can they do it without the rack? Maybe they don't have one yet, and maybe it's not available in their local hardware store or something right now. Can they do that? Yeah, just on the grill. Yeah, you can definitely. You can definitely. You know, um, you can. There's ways to get them to kind of balance to stand up straight. Um, if you cook them on their side, you know, it's not going to be an issue. You know, you might have one side with grill marks or whatever, but, um, yeah, I mean, you can definitely, um, there's some other ways to, to get them on the grill. Um, I just prefer the leg hanger just cause it kind of makes it that nice uniform cook and just kind of looks pretty. So when I take pictures, I don't have to think about those grill marks on one side. Sure. Do you, are you big on grill marks? Well, I mean, whether it's chicken or steak or whatever, are you big on those? Um, I mean, they definitely have their place. I always say grill marks are kind of more for show and, um, the cast iron, you know, that full crust is better for flavor. Sure. Sure. I I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, you know, that that's why our motto here is turn it, don't burn it. Because for a long time, the, the barbecue community was, especially if you were cooking steaks or chops or whatever, it was like only turn it once. I'm not a proponent of perfect grill marks uh, because for me, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're okay. They, you know, makes a nice look, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the way the, the meat is cooked or the flavor you're going to get out of it. So I'm always like, don't burn it, turn it again if you need to. So that's, that's, yeah. that's actually where that came from. So when you're doing something like your uh, Chuck roast burnt ends and you know, the original burnt ends came off a of brisket and all that stuff. And now we've expanded and you've done it here with a chuck roast, which I thought was very creative uh, in doing that. First, walk us through what you do with those, because, again, that's something that people at home, uh, a lot of them hear about it. They've probably seen it on some of the television shows, but they don't really they don't. That's really not something they just make by itself. And so, um, how did you come up with using a, a chuck roast to do it and what's your process there? Yes. I mean, I definitely, you know, you know, saw a lot of people kind of cooking the chuck roast. And I think what's the first thing that's nice is, um, well, there's two things like chuck roast used to be cheap, cheaper than a brisket. <laughs> yeah. But again, beef prices is kind of crazy. And I think also what's nice is it's not as intimidating as cooking a full brisket. I think definitely, you know, there's, that intimidating factor until you've cooked a few briskets, ruined a few briskets um, before you feel comfortable doing that. So I think the chuck roast is kind of more approachable. You can, you know, go to the store, you can get that nice big slab of beef, you can season it up and you can just approach that a little bit easier than a brisket. You know, you can just, um, you know, smoke that and then cube that up and kind of work your barbecue magic with that. It looks really good. And I love the way you put it on the white bread. I just did. I just, you know, Northerners and you're a Northerner and I'm a Northerner. And if you've never been to Texas um, or other places in the South, but especially Texas, all barbecue is pretty much served with a, a slice or two of white bread. And so I thought that was really cool the way you did that. Yep. Yeah, white bread and the the uh, red onion and some pickles. That's all you need. Yeah, that that'll get you that'll get you by. The other thing that you cooked in here, <clears throat> Adam, which I love, and my wife never listens to this show because she says she hears me talk too much at home, so she doesn't bother. But your Dutch babies, <laughs> if you don't know what Dutch babies are, it's 
it's they're cooked in a cast iron skillet. Um, and usually, you know, they're they're on the stovetop for a little bit and then you put them in the in the oven, um, depending on what you're doing or the process you're following. Adam's doing these now on his Traeger, and I thought that was really creative. Yeah, I think, you know, um, there was a breakfast place around here that, um, you know, does a Dutch baby pancake. And, um, um, you know, just kind of wanted – that's what I really like about uh, Traeger. You know, you can really get a nice, accurate cooking temperature for baking as well, you know. So not only just using it as a grill, but also showing some of those um, – other fun things, you know, and sure. um, the Dutch, and what's interesting with the Dutch baby is I don't think it has any Dutch origins. I actually think it was in the, somewhere, in, I think it might've been Seattle where it was actually like first credited with being cooked. Um, but it's kind of, is just a fun, different, you know, it, it is mostly, you know, breakfast and kind of sweet, but you know, people I have seen definitely do savory with it, you know, put brisket in them and pulled pork and all sorts of stuff. Just kind of that fun thing, you know, I think that's definitely what's fun about um, you know, grilling and barbecue, you, you know, you first get your grill, you know, I just want to cook ribs and chicken or whatever. And then you kind of start to see, you can cook a lot more things. And, um, you know, this is kind of one of those fun, fun cooks for the whole family. It's just something different. You know, you can, um, you know, get your kids involved, you can get everyone involved and just kind of do something that not very traditional. Yeah. Well, and at my house, I don't know about the McKinsey household, but if you're going to do like a Dutch baby or even pancakes, if you will, you got to have warm syrup. I, I don't eat pancakes or waffles with cold syrup. Can't got to have warm syrup. That's I can thank my mother for that, <laughs> but you got to do it. And, and usually when I eat a Dutch baby, if my wife makes them, I then go take a nap afterwards. That's the, yeah. that's also a tradition in our house. Cause you're carved out man up to the hilt and you're full and it's fun, but a nap is in, in order. I would say that. It definitely is. It definitely fills you up pretty fast. Yeah, it does. Um, I just thought that was a lot of fun. You also do some grilled vegetables here. You do some in the skillet and you can also do some, if you've got a basket or a rack or what have you, whatever utensils you have, what are your tips for like uh, grilling vegetables in a Traeger? Um, you know, I just think it's, you know, just kind of a fun way, you know, instead of turning on the oven or stove, you know, just getting that complete meal, you know, you're already outside, you already have your Traeger fired up, you know, just get that going. You know, I'm a big fan of the sheet pan veggies, you know, just throwing those right on a sheet pan, throwing them on the grill and cooking them, you know, until they're, till they're done, you know, usually, you know, nice and tender, but it's just kind of, and it's kind of a fun way to get a little bit of flavor in there, do something different, you know, definitely if you don't, depends how you prep them, you know, you can get some grill marks, you know, you can um, just do some fun, different stuff. And um, just another way to, you know, impress family and friends and, you know, do vegetables in a way that haven't been done before. You know, it's always fun to do, you know, salads with that have vegetables that have grill marks on them or, you know, that have that little bit of that smoky flavor. It's always fun. Absolutely. Now, are are you a proponent of uh, throwing your corn on the grill, corn on the cob? Yeah. So with uh, the recipe is not in the book, but usually with corn on the cob, you know, I'm one of the people, I don't even open it up from the husk at the store or anything. I just buy the corn. I put it in water, like cold water for about 20 minutes and throw it on the grill at about 400 and cook it for about 15, 20 minutes. And every time it comes out perfect, that's kind of how 
I do my corn all the time and I just really enjoy how it turns out. I, you know, corn on the cob is one of those things like, <clears throat> I don't care if it's boiled, grilled, smoked, um, whatever, I'll eat it. It's just good. I just like, I just like corn on the cob. What was the toughest skill that you learned to master, Adam, when you were, when you were going through all this, your, your backyard training, so to speak? Um, I just think the biggest thing is, um, you know, having the patience and really, you know, just knowing every cook is going to be different. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back on Barbecue Nation with Adam McKenzie and and finish up the regular show and then go into After Hours, uh, his new book, Weeknight Smoking on Your Trigger and Other Pellet Grills. Right after this, don't go away. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to the nation. I'm JT out here on the Sun Radio Networks. We thank you all for listening today. We've got Adam McKenzie. With us, the author of the new cookbook, Weeknight Smoking on Your Traeger and Other Pellet Grills. A couple of things before we chat with Adam again. Uh, Amazing Ribs meet, meet Up in Memphis is next March. And so um, there's still some slots available. It's been postponed because of COVID and, you know, typical stuff that's been happening to us all. So that's going to be next March. But check out AmazingRibs.com for that if you want to go on that trip. Also coming up in the next hour, we've got Dennis Bowman is going to be with us uh, talking about his experiences on the competition circuit. So let's get back and talk with Adam McKenzie now. I was telling Adam off the air, he's got two things in this book that really made me go, wow. Uh, He's got a recipe in here for baked brie with prosciutto. And I'm a big prosciutto fan. I think some of you heard me say that before. So we want to talk about that one real quick. And then we want to talk about Finally, wrap up the regular show with the pecan pie. So let's talk baked brie with prosciutto here, Adam. First, what stimulated you to make this? Um, you know, it's one of those foods, you know, you kind of see in um, magazines and on cooking shows, you know, and you just, it just looks really good. You know, you just kind of see that melted cheese. You just see that, you know, people getting the nice cheese pull. And I mean, you know, just the combination of prosciutto and just the cheese is just perfect. You know, it's just that salty it's that sweet it's just that kind of perfect combination you know of every kind of food you kind of want um and so you know just definitely adapting it for the grill you know oh i can you know instead of putting it in my oven and missing out on that flavor i can put it on the traeger get some flavor in it um you know and just kind of do some some fun stuff with it and you know it's always better to wrap you know meat in a pork product so um (laughs) yeah um, you know just wrap it up in the prosciutto and throw it on the grill and get some nice cheesy goodness. You know, Instagram loves it because of the cheese, you know, waterfall coming out when you cut into it and, you know, family and friends love it just because of that flavor combination and just, it's you know, perfect for, you know, bread or crackers or whatever, just, you know, or eat it with a fork even. Well, don't forget the raspberry jam, bud. That's, yep. that's part of it too. That's some really yep. offsetting flavor that is not upsetting, offsetting. And it's, very good with that. 
Okay, now we're gonna wrap with the the uh, bourbon chocolate pecan pie here. I'm a I told you I'm a pecan pie aficionado. Um, love it. Uh, love regular. Love bourbon flavored. Love you know about the only thing I wouldn't like is if they put cabbage in it. But um, is this something that you tinkered with and developed? And is uh, you know pecan pie in the McKinsey household a big deal? Um, I mean, you know, we, I, I remember growing up and my dad, you know, um, making it occasionally. I remember, you know, eating it more than anything, um, you know, and saw some recipes out there, um, you know, for pecan pie and chocolate pecan pie and, you know, really started um, thinking, you know, how can I work that into my repertoire? How can I get that onto the grill, you know? So thinking about some of those flavors, you know, um, you know, I've smoked nuts before, so it's ooh, smoke the pecans, you know, bring in kind of a different layer of flavor. And, you know, I love bourbon. So, <laughs> you know, finding. <laughs> well, you're finding a teacher, a good, Adam. You have to love bourbon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, definitely finding a good bourbon, you know, I mean, there's so many different types of bourbon, you know, you can play with different flavors in that way. And I think just bringing that smoky flavor into that pecan pie, you know, it just really hits home. It's funny. My mom, the um photo shoot for the cookbook and we made all the dishes and um and everything the one my mom still talks about how she didn't get a slice of the bourbon pecan pie she's like she's like i enjoyed everything but i'm upset that i did not get a slice of that pie you can't stiff your mom now adam (laughs) you should know that by now especially when it comes to desserts yeah it was it was tough that pecan pie you know i mean it's People were doing whatever they could to sneak it out of the house. So it was, it was, it was, it was tough to to uh, to keep it on lockdown. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. But it's the like I said, pecan pie. Again, after pecan pie, though, I'm usually headed for the recliner or the couch for you know a short nap because it's just something about it. It's so rich and flavorful that I just want to just go drift off into my own little world and enjoy it. That's that's just me, but I'm just saying. What's the biggest thing you think you learned, Adam, about when you were doing this book? Um, I mean, it was just kind of just a really fun experience, you know, from start to finish, you know, just I think, you know, taking what I've learned and I think what I have started to see and it still blows my mind, you know, um, I think what people really appreciate is I'm not a trained chef and, you know, I'm just, you know, a person who has started cooking on my own and just kind of self-taught and I think that resonates with a lot of people because, you know, we see what Bobby Flay and, you know, all like the big cooks do and stuff, but, you know, we're like, Oh, they're trained chefs. They've spent years, you know, mastering that. And I think, you know, when you just see someone who's just like you, you know, cooking that stuff, it gives you a little bit more confidence and just kind of um, opens up more doors for you and kind of gives you that confidence you need. And that was, I think one of the most fun parts about the book and just seeing people really starting to use the recipes, you know, it still blows me away when people, send me a picture of, you know, the brisket and like, oh, I cooked this for my son's graduation party. I cooked this for this, you know, wedding celebration. You know, it's really cool than, you know, honoring that people are using something that I've created for those special occasions. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I got started <clears throat> a long time ago, excuse me, I used to, and people have listened to the show, have heard this story, probably ad nauseum for them. But I used to watch Graham Kerr, the Galloping Gourmet. He's a good friend now. But I was... A kid, and I'd get off the school bus and I would come in and I would watch his show. And then my aunt, who was living with us at the time, would write down the recipe if we liked it. And the next day, she would bring the ingredients 
for that recipe back to the farm and I would try to cook it. Now I was 10, 12 years old, so I had no skill and it was a disaster a lot of times, but it was seeing really the food, which was beautiful and how much fun he had. So my next question is to you, Adam, and tell us how much fun you have when you're doing this. Oh, I mean, it's it's a ton of fun. I still really enjoy, you know, opening up a pack of meat, you know, whether it's brisket or ribs and really putting in the prep and just, you know, playing with flavors and cooking it. And I just really still enjoy, you know, seeing what people cook on Instagram and just in cooking shows and just um, just what people are doing. Cause there's, there's no limit and it's just really cool to see that possibility. And then, of course, you know, the reaction from family and friends when they enjoy it is just priceless and you can't beat it. No, you can't beat it. Um, have you got another book in mind? I know this one just came out, but usually authors, when they when they really get into it, they say, yeah, I'm, I'm already working on my next one. Um, so my wife and I are expecting twins in about a month. Um, so we are thinking potentially, you know, a few years down the road when things settle down, you know, maybe doing a children's um, grilling cookbook. Absolutely. We've been talking to Adam McKinsey, his new book, Weeknight Smoking on Your Traeger and Other Pellet Grills. Adam, it's been a really pleasure, and I know you're going to stick around for after hours. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Appreciate it. Always no, always great and barbecue. No problem. We'll be back uh, next week if your station only carries the first hour. Second hour, like I said, Dennis Bowman is coming up. And so until then, remember our motto, folks. Turn it. Don't burn it. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.